we want to make sure that you know, local businesses, founders who've spent, spent a lot of time building the businesses get get the right partner mm. and we build success, build, build better businesses, we build longevity. Hi, and welcome to the North Edge podcast, Beyond the Capital. I'm Lucy Mills, partner responsible for value creation and ESG and your host for this series. At North Edge, building better businesses isn't just about providing capital. It's about building open and honest relationships, creating responsible businesses, driving value through collaboration, engagement and partnership, and providing ongoing support. But we wouldn't be able to achieve any of that without the great people we have in our business, our portfolio and our network. And in this series, we'll be speaking to those people to find out more about their stories, their experiences, and how they have worked to build better businesses. On today's episode, we are joined by John Pickering, a fellow partner and chief investment officer at NorthEdge. Welcome. Thank you, Lucy. So as we do with every episode of Beyond the Capital, first things first, tell us about you, your background from the beginning and how you've got to the role that you're in today. That's a... Easy, straightforward question to start with. <laughs> Big um, question. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, born and bred in uh, Preston, Lancashire. Um, Mum was a teacher, dad was a joiner. Um, normal upbringing compared to some of the people that um, we work with in our privileged career mm. at, uh, at North Edge and some of the sort of peers uh, that we work with. Um, university uh, off to Leeds mm-hmm. University. Great city. Uh, great city, uh, thoroughly enjoyed myself and then uh, post that trained to be an accountant. I uh, moved to Manchester in 1998, believe it or not. Um, so I only remember uh, the year because it was um, France 98 uh, World Cup, which we <laughs> celebrated heavily when we finished our uh, finals uh, at uh, Leeds University. Um, trained in audit uh, for four years, moved into the Dizzy Heights of uh, corporate finance in 2002 uh, when the uh, uh, dot-com crash had uh, had uh, just about finished crashing so probably a brave decision to move into uh, mm. corporate finance but that was the sexy side of accountancy if there ever is such a word yeah. uh, that uh, a lot of the boy, uh, young boys and girls wanted to get into at that point in time um, and that's where I came across uh, Grant Berry and Ray Stenton so worked yes. uh, heavily for those two individuals as uh, as an advisor uh, and then um, uh, got asked to go and work for them at LDC mm-hmm. 2008 uh, so I've worked for Ray and Grant uh, obviously I've done lots with Andy Ball as well yeah since 2008 yeah uh, up until 2012 uh, where again had a had another conversation at that point in time when North Edge was was formed to see if they well, see if I would come work for them again. Mm-hmm. Um, to be honest, it was a bit of a bit of a risk um, moving away from a a uh, stable uh, PLC bank mm. environment, mm. private equity. Learned a hell of a lot in five years uh, at, uh, at LDC. We had the uh, financial crisis as well in two thousand eight. Yeah. So learned hell of, hell of a lot. Um, but you know, I said, well, go for it. What's worse can happen? Joining mm-hmm. a startup. Um, and therefore, uh, three months of garden leave started in January 2013 at North Edge, and yeah. uh, unbelievably, ten years later, um, never looked back. So, um, very short, ten years, potty history, Crazy. but uh, yeah, ten, ten years, and um, yeah, n- another another child. So, I've got two two daughters now. Yeah. 
uh, and my um, my eldest actually leaves primary school tomorrow. So uh, another milestone. What, what a huge the, milestone! Uh, yeah, Pickering family. So what so, um, what was it that kind of prompted you to have that attitude and to take that risk? Because like I say, it was quite a big risk. You starting, you know, that's when you were starting your family and and things like that. So what was it that gave you the confidence to make that decision and make that leap? Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, so as a as a um, sort of bringing very modest, but um, my dad worked for himself. Mm. And he always liked the fact my dad worked for himself and he used to take me to work as well at the weekends. Um, so a totally different experience of uh, my dad and his brother uh, with their own little business. Mm. Um, so really brought up in that environment. Um, the rest of the family is quite sciencey or medical led mm. and my mum wanted me to be a dentist or a doctor and all that kind <laughs> of stuff and um and I didn't <laughs> um so despite doing a lot of science uh, a levels and, uh, and and maths and all that good stuff heavy major on the on the business side of it mm-hmm. and I was fascinated by the business world and the finance world and even my my granddad uh, I remember my granddad moved in with us when my uh, my grandmother passed away and he, he was obsessed with watching um, sort of Bloomberg oh, um, right. back in the day. Yeah, yeah. Um, and again, I didn't really understand it. I'm not sure he did, really. Yeah. Um, but uh, sort of a, sort of as a, a teenager in that environment, uh, listening and learning and talking to my granddad about investing and all that good stuff, mm. you sort of got into it mm. at an earlier age. Um, I always fancied working for myself. Mm. Um at the sort of big four rat race I was in uh, at Deloitte, which I absolutely loved to bits, you know, everyone wanted to be a partner and that's what everyone sort of focused on. Um, but then the chance to move away from advisory to actually owning a investment decision and then ultimately at North Edge now being part of running the, the business and, mm. and, and, the, and the firm, it was just, it felt like a one, once in a lifetime opportunity where, mm. you know, how many local based private equity funds do you get asked? Yeah right at the outset when they first formed to come and be part of the team yeah. that you've worked with before and you knew the individuals involved. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I, I talked uh, extensively to my wife, uh, Emma, about it at the time, but I spoke quite a lot to my mum. Mm. My mum's wise words were, well, if it all goes wrong, you just get another job somewhere else because you've always done all right. Fair enough. Our son, so therefore just go for it. And, yeah. And, and, and so I did. Yeah. You know, the bank, LDC, weren't very happy, but... Um, was a risk, but yeah, it's, it's absolutely a risk that uh, yeah. that has paid off. So, uh, and the rest, very, as they very, say, is history. The rest is history. Thank, thank goodness uh, absolutely, you, yeah. you made that decision because you know the role that you're in now, in particular, is such an important role for North Edge. But actually, being there from the start, you've kind of you've done a lot of roles even at North Edge, haven't you? So, talk us through your last ten years. Like, what has that meant? What do you focus on? What's changed in your job? now versus what you were doing when you first started yeah it, it, again it's it, yeah you know people think you, you know your careers you know once you're a director or a partner you that that's it you it sort of finishes well it, it doesn't especially <laughs> in a in a high growth firm which north hedge has been and continues to be um started off as a as a, as a director in the investment team um leading deals responsible for deals mm-hmm. um in terms of investing and then uh going on the boards looking after them from a governance point of view, on the board and supporting the teams on their own growth journeys, mm. uh, and then ultimately selling them and realising that from an investment point of view, that's where I've spent the first five years uh, of my uh, life at North Edge. Um, I think it was 12 months into um, 
Fund 2 being, being in existence, well, second main fund, sort of 2016, 2017, mm-hmm. um, when uh, I was asked to lead the uh, Manchester team. Mm-hmm. Um, I think my title then became Head of Manchester, which, again, uh, a lot of people did. Uh, poke a little bit of fun in a, in a, in a <laughs> tongue-in-cheek type way in, a, in and around Manchester saying, oh, you're head of Manchester now. Yeah. Um, but, you know, it's all, it. all, all done in, 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 in a nice way. But, yeah, it's sort, of, it's sort of running the Manchester investment team and being responsible for the deals we were doing as a team. Mm-hmm. I think, you know, a team of five at that point in yeah. time uh, in Manchester 2017. Um, and then after that, really, once you move from owning a deal to owning a team, but still we've been responsible for investing um, personally, uh, I was then uh, asked to present to the rest of the partners to become a partner in the firm. And then um, Tata was promoted head of the Northwest, which wow. sounded, sounded a bit a region. grander than having city. a region. Um, but then given more regional responsibilities, um, more portfolio responsibilities at that time because mm. our portfolio team was still fledgling uh, probably back in 2018 as that yeah. started to Fairly nice enough, build out uh, build out more f- from that point onwards. So it was more people recruiting mm. deals but having responsibility for, for, for a PL in mm. effect in terms of looking at performance of some of the investments that we were making as a North West team as mm. well as uh, investing because again, you know, the good investors choose to invest and make money, but I think the good investors know when not to invest. Yeah. Because I think there's, you know, investing, there's two sides, there's, there's knowing when not to make that investment. Yeah. Therefore, some of the best investments you make are the ones you don't make. Yeah. Because this is all about, you know, performance of a fund. Yeah, and a portfolio and a, of a con- uh, collection of, of, of assets, which clearly, Lucy, you you know, uh, intricately. One of our favourite topics, yeah. So, um, so that was the the next um, sort of journey. Uh, I'm losing track of time now, but I think it was 2019. Um, so just before the pandemic, where it was because that was the year I joined. Uh, so I, that's I, I was then asked to then run the uh, the investment team. So the uh, even grander title can argue as uh, head of new business, which basically head of the new investment team across the three regions we had at the time, yeah. being the Northwest, Yorkshire and the Northeast, and the Midlands. Um, so still transacting, still leading deals, still on boards. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think in around that time, uh, led the uh, CTS uh, investment, which we divested yeah. this year very, very successfully. Um, um, but then took... Uh, a lot of responsibility for helping the guys over in Yorkshire, the North East and mm-hmm. the Midlands in particular. Um, as North Edge, sort of the clue in the title gives it away. From a northern point of view, we were very established, both mm-hmm. in Manchester and Leeds, and the Midlands where we'd made uh, a venture into. And therefore, I've supported the the, uh, the boys and girls of the Midlands team um, quite extensively in terms of getting that up and running yeah. and getting that track uh, track invest uh, sorry investment tr- track record. Yeah really established down in the Midlands. Yeah, and also that cultural piece was hugely important part of that, wasn't it? Because I know, I think we'll probably come on to it later, but as well as the technical capability of assessing deals, actually I think part of what makes us special is who we are and how we behave. So I guess that was also quite an important part of having one person looking after all of the regions. Yeah, absolutely that. And I would say to the young people that are now privilege of working within and interviewing um our our, uh, our business or our approach to what we do is sort of 
two thirds people, one third technical. Yeah. You can learn the technical bit, absolutely. If people don't know it, I tell them don't worry about it. We can we can teach you it. But the thing you need to be good at is the is the people side of our game. Yeah. It's the ability to influence and ability to um, deal with conflict because conflict can be healthy because mm-hmm. high-performing teams have got to learn how to uh, embrace conflict um, you know, for the outcome of the, of the team and the confidence to speak with an open mind mm. and, and challenge in a constructive fashion, mm. not in an aggressive fashion. Conflict's important, so learning to operate in, uh, and deal with conflict is quite important. So mm. the whole influence in dealing with conflict and people side of our game uh, and being respectful of others when you, you disagree to... Yeah. to um, to draw the conclusion that you support them because of the evidence that they've mm. provided you. Mm. Um, that coupled with a hell of, hell of a lot of it, personal experience built up over time. Yeah. I think Bill's a successful um, investor. Hopefully Bill's a successful manager and leader ultimately mm. to to get the best out of people. And mm. therefore that's what I've been trying to do in terms of getting the best out of the investment team over the last four years now. Um you know, we all suffered a little bit, probably for only six to eight weeks, maybe, when we had the outset of COVID. Yeah. Uh, you know, when we realised, as uh, the rest of the world realised, the world hadn't ended yeah. after that uh, six to eight week hiatus. Um, and then we've really never looked back and we've we've kicked on. And I think we've absolutely established ourselves now in the Midlands. Uh, we're doing a sterling job uh, over in Yorkshire and the real powerhouse of the firms, the Northwest. But mm-hmm. I think um, collectively, um, it's a very collegiate approach to mm-hmm. uh, to investing. And there's whilst it's regions, it's regions because that's where you live. But we think about it holistically across yeah. what one one firm, one business, and you know the uh, the three sectors that we now uh, focus on yeah. at, at this point in the economic cycle. Yeah, and so then. The end of last year, yeah. you got a new title. You've had so many. T- have you had the most titles Poss- at North Edge? Possibly. possibly We're going to find that out and I'll let people have. know. Um, so you got a new title at the end of last year. New title at the end of last year. Um, so, yeah, so I um, uh, became an equity partner uh, at the end of 2020. Mm-hmm. So the back end of 2020. And then my, my, um, my role evolved uh, yet again, into Chief Inv- Investment Officer. Uh, so, you know, the real difference now is um, looking at the fund construct and our investment strategy around fund deployment. Mm-hmm. Um, so rather than f- focusing specifically on the quality of the investments we are making, it's now it's, it's now focusing on not only is quality important, but actually is the fund construct the right fund construct yeah. given... Um, given the level of opportunities we are. And therefore, it might be a quality investment, but it might not work from a fund point of view. And therefore, yeah. we might choose not to invest more fund-related rather than quality of business yeah. or quality of yeah. uh, opportunity to invest point of view. Yeah, and that is both sector and timing, isn't it? Of sector, Where we're timing, at cycle. And actually, it might drive us to hunting different areas because we want to get exposure because of some interesting thematics. Mm-hmm. That we're privileged to get access to because mm. of the regional approach we've got, which might mean we take our time from a deployment point of view to make sure we get the right fund build out as well. Yeah. So absolutely, timing is equally as important now as as, as quality of a singular investment. So yeah. it's a it's a holistic approach now to to fund build out an investment strategy. And I think we you know we are in a super privileged position because of the firm that you know Ray Grant, Borley, Michael, you, you know, the, the 
that the partners have set up in that actually, you know, we own our business investment committee are the owners of the business. So actually, I think that that is something that we do slightly differently, isn't it? And it allows us to really be thoughtful about, well, who who do we want to back? Who do we want to work with? And let them know if they want to work with us or not. It is a two-way thing, isn't it, with our management teams? Yeah, absolutely two-way. And, you know, as much as we are privileged owners of a business, um, a lot of responsibility with that, uh, not only to our investors, but to our employees, mm-hmm. um, and ultimately the, uh, you know, the individuals that we back, mm-hmm. because... You know, a lot of the founders we meet, you know, they've spent years and years building their business. And therefore, again, we want to be good custodians, you know, and I think we're very good. Uh, you know, we're a very good home, first time private equity yeah. for, for a lot of the businesses that, that we back. Mm. And therefore, we take that responsibility uh, on our shoulders equally. And, you know, we want to make sure that, you know, local businesses, founders who've spent, spent a lot of time building their businesses get, get the right partner mm. and we build success, build, build better businesses, we build longevity. Mm. You know, that is very important to us. And mm. you mentioned it earlier, that cultural bit, I think it, you know, we we um, we give oversight from the top, but it's 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 uh, instilled in, yeah. in all of us, yeah. you know, not only the investment team, but, you know, all the um, uh, admin yeah. staff as well. Everyone, everyone subscribes to, to the North Edge approach. Yeah. So... I guess we've worked in the private equity industry for quite a long time, whether that be our advisory around deals or, or kind of actively investing. How has that changed since you started working in the industry? Um, has it changed? Uh, well, I've got older and got more grey hairs, but uh, <laughs> that, that to one side. Um, it's more competitive. Mm. It's more competitive and... Um, you need to uh, you need to be able to articulate how you're different to someone else because there's a lot of people providing money, hmm. certainly a lot more people providing uh, money for investments in uh, certainly the northwest, but you know it's more competitive across all the regions that we operate in. Hmm. So therefore, differentiating your approach is is extremely important hmm. today. Um, and you know, in the past, we were very much agnostic investors where now we are very focused on the sectors that we uh, want to be involved in and the uh, and the uh, local businesses regional businesses that we want to support uh, but, but equally we're very conscious now about our approach to value creation mm-hmm. on the other side post investing and, yeah. and and how we lead leave a, a lasting impression mm. and how we build genuinely build better businesses as a result of us having having ownership mm. um, and ESG has been huge transformation mm. in our industry um yes. and you know we've done a, a sterling job and you know at least you've been at the heart of our drive for the last couple of years um but but you know esg is now a focal point and it runs through our blood mm. almost mm. Uh, in the context of our, our approach to investing and it's a huge differentiator for us yeah um so you get the sector approach you get high experience from north edge and you, you get a firm that's absolutely bought into mm. ESG and wanting to leave um, a lasting impression on the business once we've changed ownership because yep. ultimately there will be an event at some point and we'll, we'll pass on that um, responsibility to another investor mm. um, but we want to leave a lasting impression that we've we've created something special mm. um, and a bit of a legacy I know it sounds a bit cheesy but no I think um, it's one of the best parts of our job um, isn't it 
yeah, job creation and build, building building successful businesses and ever more successful businesses in the regions and promoting the regions is, you know, we, we, we take our responsibility on our shoulders. Yeah. And I think that's, you know, that's evidenced by we've got CEOs of businesses that we have kind of realised and, and kind of are no longer invested in, but they've invested in our funds or they still support us from a, um, a value creation perspective or helping us assess deals. And I think that is such a, a testament to the way that the firm has always been run and, and its founded principles. Absolutely. It's, it's, a, it's a very good point. Um, I always say to uh, potential uh, potential management teams that we're going to back, the, the journey is as long as you want the journey with North Edge. Mm. It can be you know three, four, five years, whatever the investment time horizon is. And that can be the end of it. If you want to go to the beach and we never speak to you again, that's fine. <laughs> we won't take it personally. But if you want to... Um, become part of our cheer network if you want to become part you know potential operating partner if mm. you want to be behind it with investing in the funds mm. um you know it's almost see this as the start starting point journey with north edge if you want it mm. um and therefore this could be a 15 20 year relationship mm. as far as we're concerned and uh, pleasingly a number of people have partnered with north edge over uh, multiple yeah. deal cycles and are high net worth investors in our fund and again equally we take that responsibility for high net worths money uh, and investing their money and there's nothing better than a successful investment and uh, you know founder um, crystallizing their wealth at the end of it in mm. cash and then wanting to then reinvest that back mm. into the north edge fund mm. it's almost like a you know a huge pat on the back yeah, at the end of it massive. that they trust us that much mm. with, with further cash that and they want to be part of our growth story going forward so mm. you know we are very privileged that we get we get a lot yeah. of people that reinvest back into back into north edge i think part of that though is you know because of how you grant you know the founding principles of, of why north edge exists and, and how we all behave and the culture that we all subscribe to i guess the we've talked about culture a few times and it's not necessarily a word that's synonymous with private equity or our industry what would you say are some of the biggest misconceptions about what we do and our industry and, and the contribution we have? Um, I, th- I think the I think the biggest misconception is, um, and this you know goes as deep as you know the real PE or venture capitalists that claim they are absolute market experts is the only person or people that know a business better than anyone else is the people that founded that business mm. and therefore if you expect someone that you don't know you might have had three four five meetings with them over two or three months of a process are going to turn up and help you transform a business overnight i think that's absolutely misguided because mm. there's 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 a there's a lot that goes into it and it and it takes time to create a value creation plan alongside a team and there's a lot of hard effort that goes into that mm. over over a four-year time horizon mm. um, and there's a lot of building blocks that need to be put in place that we can uh, put in place but you need um, you need the other half of the equation being the, being the founders to equally embrace that and accept the fact that it will take time to mm. to work out really what we're going to do with with, with something because as much as there's a plan in an IM the plan in the IM typically has been written by an advisor and we now need to turn it into real actions that yeah. actually make sense, that you can actually do, and there's a time horizon attached to them. So um, I think the biggest misconception is 
you know, people talk about a little black book and that's what they're looking for. They really need a little black book and they don't, they don't know what to do with the business, then they've got a bigger problem than yeah. finding the right private equity mm. partner. I'd probably suggest sell to trade. Don't don't mm. go down the private equity route because if, the, if you're relying on a private equity house to determine what you're going to do with it, mm. you're yeah. probably going to end in tears at, at and some, it's, some yeah, point. That is definitely, you know, we, I think, really pride ourselves at North Edge on we back management teams to deliver their plan yes we will support we will challenge we will encourage we will bring our network to bear we will bring our portfolio to bear but ultimately we don't run the business we back management teams to run and grow their businesses absolutely and things happen but outside outside of your control yeah you know as much as the mini budget last year back to covid back to financial crisis to brexit things happen mm. macro events which changes the course of a plan we we get that we've been investing over multiple cycles over 20 years and we can we can have them flow and we can react to mm. to that and you know we, we, we we're very level-headed and we, we don't overreact we back our teams to navigate the way through mm. but we will support them through you know a 40 person plus strong organization that can help uh, any business that is in our portfolio mm. navigate navigate any um, headwinds that, that crop up, whether mm. they're specific to that business or More macro or, 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 or macro events. So, um, you know, Masters of the Universe, you know, those sort of titles that have been bam, um, um, banded around or, or Barbarians at the Gate, you know, <laughs> the, the famous book. Um, but, but but we're not, you know, yeah. we're, we're, we're real people that we've got our own business, that we keep it simple and we're all about trying to keep the plan simple and working out how we're really going to grow a business I am to one side. What are we really going to do now we own it in partnership with you, no matter how much equity we've got? And let's let's work together in, in building something special. Mm. And you know that that's what we're all about, and, mm. and, and that cultural piece in there. And yes, we can be grumpy at times, and yes, we can um, be um, you know we can ask uh, difficult questions, um, or we can challenge. But that, that's what you, sh- you should want. Mm. Because as I said earlier, conflict, constructive uh, challenge in the right way. Getting the best out of the situation is is, yeah. is, is what makes high-performing teams uh, absolutely work. Mm. And what would you say makes a good private equity partner? I mean, obviously, Northledge makes a great private equity partner. But if you've got if the management teams listening to this, what would you say with your experience that what are the questions people should be asking, or how do you how do they due diligence us on on if we're the right partner for for their next phase of their journey yeah i, th- I think splitting into two questions i think how what, what's what, one piece of advice i'll give anyone do referencing because that's the only way you're going to know um how someone operates you know speak to the people that they've worked with or currently working with uh and again we always volunteer this don't just uh uh, wait for them to say these are the three people you should speak to. Mm. Normally, they're really good people to speak to, but just have a look at the portfolio and, and you know, it, you know, just think about the ones that are more relevant and ask, ask to speak to some of the others you've not volunteered, mm. just to get a bit more transparency on it. And always ask the question, um, you know, can we talk through the ones that haven't worked, and can we speak to some of the people that are still in those businesses that that haven't worked, mm. and that will give you a good inside track record. And we're not. Uh, we're not precious about anyone speaking to any of our uh, current or um, past um, portfolio companies because we're pretty confident about our consistent approach mm. all the way through. Um, so that, that would be my uh, single 
single piece of advice for anyone thinking about private equity in terms of which partner to choose. Um, what makes a good private equity partner? I think it's the relationship mm. you've got, and therefore spend time with said individuals from said private equity house and make sure you make time to build a relationship. So, you know, you can influence them as much as they can influence you. And there's a good understanding that the, the plan's the plan. It, it, you know, mm. it's, a, it's a direction of which the business is going to travel based on a set of assumptions. And probably some or all of those assumptions aren't going <laughs> to be, wrong be at some delivered, point. <laughs> but hopefully positively wrong rather negatively wrong, but make sure they understand that, you know, you, you want a bit of realism attached mm. to it. Um, and as long as we get more things right than we get wrong on the plan, you're going to, you're going to grow the business and mm. therefore going to create, you're going to create value for, for mm. all concerns. Mm. So it's, 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 it's all about relationship mm. and making sure you can work with, um, with the private equity house that, that you're in conversation with. Mm. And I think, you know, that is, it's, that relationship piece is is super important to us, and again, it is one of the big kind of founding principles of our firm. You you've been here since the beginning, pretty much of uh, of North Edge. What what would you say is that we do that you are the most proud of? And that's a big question because there's I'm sure lots of things over the last ten years, but and that might be as an investor, it might be as a colleague, as it might be as an employer, but what is it that we do that you are that makes you really proud? I think the biggest thing that I've seen is, and it goes, it, it's absolutely all across uh, the organisation, is people care about um, what they do and the uh, portfolio companies that we, we invest in. Mm. Uh, you know, they genuinely care. It's not a numbers game. It's not a spreadsheet and we're not bothered about the individuals involved. We... We care about what happens, not only to our business, North Edge, and our, our staff, making sure our staff are happy in everything that we do from a from a staff engagement point of view here, but it's with the portfolio companies as well. So, you know, COVID, got example, um, when we were screwing around, setting WhatsApp groups up, trying to help our portfolio companies navigate their way through things like furlough, and no one really knew what furlough was, or tax breaks, and everything else that we were trying to get to the bottom of. You know, everyone participated across the organisation. Mm. Everyone mucks, mucked in mm. when times got tough to make sure we supported our portfolio that, that we'd invested in. So everyone genuinely has invested, not only the pound nose bit, but but emotionally mm. into the people we, we, we back. We want it to be a success, we want the individuals to be a success, and people genuinely care. And when they go, don't go wrong, yes, we take it personally, but not in a table-thumping, shouting type of way. We, we want to help, mm. genuinely want want to help. And we always make sure, no matter what happens, there's always a good outcome mm. with, um, with 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 whatever happens to any of the portfolio companies. But mm. um, for us, this is all about longevity and building a business, um, you know, not for five years, but, you know, for the next 20, 25, 30 years. You know, mm. that, that's what we're all in it for today. Yeah. And if you didn't care, then um, I don't think half the people would be We'll be here if, if, if they didn't care. Mm. You know, we, people are all bought into that and people all subscribe to it. Yeah. So that's the thing that makes me most proud because anyone you talk to, anyone you ask for help, um, or any time you do need help, you know, people will always muck, muck in and, and, mm. and, and give, you, give you help because mm. people generally generally care. Yeah. It is a pretty nice uh, place to be when we all pile in around something and uh, and work together. And we've had many examples of that over the past few years. 
mainly what the word failure meant, which was uh, an interesting experience for all of us. Um, it's back to you. We've done a lot on PE, done a yeah. lot on North Edge. Back to you. Yeah. So clearly you have had an amazing career, not done yet, but worked in lots of roles, progressed through the organisations that you've worked through, worked in, particularly at North Edge. What has driven that? What's What drives you to kind of, what's driven you throughout your career? Um, what's driven me throughout my career? So uh, I always wanted to be the best at what I did. <laughs> and therefore, um, I probably put myself under undue pressure, you could, you could argue, but I just don't want to let people down. And it's mm. that let people down piece more than anything, but then make people proud as well. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of that is my mum and dad mm -hmm. in terms of, you know, wanting to um, wanting to do it for my mum and dad because mum and dad did give, you know, sacrificed a lot mm. uh, um, from an upbringing point of view. Um, and, you know, it was a modest upbringing, but, you know, they sacrificed everything they could for me and my sister to go to university and therefore... I've always got that at the back of my mind. Mm. And therefore, I always say I want to give something back. Mm. And therefore, that, that's that's what's driven me. Mm -hmm. um, you know, and as you then uh, get older, I've got a wife, two daughters, it, it's then giving giving it back to, to the kids as well. Mm. But then the, the wider extended family. So I'm a huge family person. Um, and, you know, I always say that the, you know, the money side of anything is always a, a function of success rather than success itself. Mm -hmm. And don't ever do it for the money, do it for the, mm -hmm. the success and the uh, the positive outcomes that you deliver as a result of what you brought brought to the world. Mm. And, um, you know, that that's always been a big part of, of me mm. and what I've wanted to achieve. Um, but yeah, it's, it's my mum and dad, and some of my dad's sacrifice as a, someone who set their own business mm. up, um, much smaller scale to North Edge. What yeah. they sacrificed and yeah, yeah. hours it worth and everything else associated with that. Um, I just wanted to do the same. Mm. And I think we are all, all kind of cut from the same cloth in terms of actually we're very values led and you know culture is hugely important to us in in every aspect of, of what we do. What values do you think probably in, in being instilled by your your mum and dad and, and your family? What are the ones that you think have kind of guided you the most throughout your career what we do isn't easy right and there are sacrifices and it is long hours and all that good stuff but actually there's kind of a everybody here feels like a north edge type of person what what is that what are those values that have kind of that are your cultural compass that you always come back to um a couple of things i think don't be scared of making a mistake mm. um i've made mistakes um, I've had to phone Ray and tell him I've made a mistake on something which you know being honest I was a bit scared at the time but um, you know it's you've got to tell people when yeah. you made a mistake because that's the only way you can get through stuff so be honest take, say listen I've got this bit wrong mm -hmm. and it's a learning you know mm -hmm. you learn to walk by falling over and no one falls over when they get to yeah. whatever age it is these days but um, um, and ask for help Again, don't be, no matter, throughout my career, no matter where I've been at North Edge, any time, including today, I'll always ask for help. Mm. You know, I'll always ask someone, you know, I don't see, um, you know, I see people in an, an equal footing context of, would you mind reading this or what do you think about that? Or, mm. What do you think? Or, or get a second opinion or speak mm. to people and, you know, use the team 
because the power of the team is better than the power of the individual. Mm. Um, so I think asking for help mm. is something people shouldn't be afraid of. Mm. It's not a sign of weakness. I think it's weakness where you, you try and do it without asking for help, mm. and you're not, then you're not a team player, and it can be quite disruptive. Mm. So I think being brave enough to to, to ask for help, yeah. not being scared of it. So we're going to go into the quick fire bit now. Yeah, they're quite deep questions for quick fire. I'm going to warn you, so <coughs> you can like have a think. First one: Who has inspired you the most in your career? Uh, that is quite a. It is quite a big question. Big question that one. Um, who's inspired me the most? Um, there's, there's been a lot of different people at different stages in my career. Uh, the, 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 the one uh, who's, who probably taught me, um, and we used to refer to it as the Andy Westbrook <laughs> boot camp, but it was Andy Westbrook, who's mm. still a senior partner at Deloitte, um, just working for, for Andy and the... Um, you know, the level, level of technical training, but the level of people training that he gave you, but then the work ethic he, he ground into you mm. as well. And, and again, that, that piece around the power of the team, plus, um, you know, Andy would get you to help and get input into stuff, and it always involved you, mm. which I think is quite rare from, mm. a, from a big four partner point of view. Um, some operating silos where Andy, Andy never did, mm. and I think that always m meant... And you look back then at the people who worked for him and the, how successful they've then gone on from, from a career point of view. Mm. That you know, there's a number of said individuals in mm. and around the northwest. So clearly, that training mm. paid off in spades. Mm. So, um, so I'd, I'd say Andy yeah. has probably been because that was the start starting point for me in corporate finance. Yeah, because I didn't start off in corporate finance thinking private equity was. How do I get out of audit and uh, <laughs> do something a bit more interesting than uh, yeah. than auditing? And corporate finance was the, the big pull at mm. that point in time. So um, career has then gone down different paths through building different relationships yeah. and having more experiences. But yeah, that, but we that, still that, have that a relationship point, with yeah. Andy, still which have is, a relationship with Andy, which, nice. which is great. But yeah, he's, he's left a big impression on me in that context. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, next one, maybe slightly easier. What is the best book you have ever read? It does not have to be a business book. Yeah, so the best book I've ever read, um, the best book I've ever read, uh, and it is a business book actually, it's called uh, Black Box Thinking, because um, I really like the way it went into the differences between uh, the uh, aviation sector, uh, how you black box, who are, uh, it was all about people not being afraid of making mistakes because the black box is only used when there's a mistake because there's a crash. Mm -hmm. and the data tells you what happened mm -hmm. um, and therefore the airline industry embraces that and no one's scared of conflict or scared of, uh, 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 of what you need to change from a systems control, whatever it mm -hmm. is, training point of view, when things go wrong. So from learn from your mistakes and don't, don't, be, don't be scared of challenging people when mm -hmm. you can see things about to happen. Um, but uh, in terms of people that might be more senior to you compared to the medical profession, which is very hierarchical. Mm. Therefore, consultants and junior doctors, and as you go further down the, the pyramid, mm. people don't. And therefore, there's more mistakes in the medical profession that are that take place as a result wow. of the lack of intervention because people are scared of conflict, or even the data or things being captured or, mm. people, or things being covered up. So it's a very thought-provoking and interesting book, which does compare to mm. very uh, high-performing 
uh, and very important mm. uh, careers yeah. in parts of parts of um, the world. But yeah, the the difference of where people embrace and use data to actually correct, mm. and not be scared, mm. versus people that actually think I can't challenge the consultant because he's the consultant; he must mm. know what he's doing, and therefore actually. Not, see, not evolving he's, and he's not overdo- do- overdosing or doing something wrong during this procedure, but I'm not going to say anything. Well, um, so yeah, it's a, it's a very thought provoking book, and yeah, so if, yeah, I would recommend people reading it uh, who are interested in that. It's quite a lot of psycho- psychology in there as mm. well, but I think back to my earlier piece around certainly in our profession, but in lots of professions, the people and the influencing bit and high performing teams as well, mm. um, conflict, conflict manage- management. It, it, it pieces a lot together, mm. uh, so I did find that uh, find that fascinating. Um, I think it's quite nice as well because it's a story of kind of using data to drive insight. We talk to our management teams a lot about that. We do that internally, and we also do a lot of speak up, challenge, use your voice yeah, because no, absolutely that is if we don't do that, then we're never going to evolve and we're never going to learn spot different things that we've maybe not seen before. Yeah, absolutely. Um, from a non-work point of view, uh, I'm quite a um, quite a geeky sort of person. I'm not really into fiction. I'm into quite a lot of non-fiction, which might surprise you, so might not surprise you. <laughs> um, so when I was little, I used to read encyclopedias, um, which my mum and dad thought was hilarious, uh, rather than reading <laughs> fiction books. But um, um, I did quite a lot of science before that pivoted into, into business, as I touched mm-hmm. on earlier. Um, I am super interested in... Um, strange things like the theory of relativity and, wow, and therefore okay. read, reading books which explain that to uh, in layman speak about how that works and things like time dilation which I still can't yes. get my head around but um, you're a Brian Cox fan I'm a huge Brian Cox fan yes uh, huge Brian Cox fan um, I don't find he explains it in very clear ways, though, because he's also very clever. Yeah, he's very clever. Um, clearer ways than some stuff you read, but even um, yeah, Brief History of Time, um, Stephen Hawking's books, yeah. are quite easy or easier to read uh, with, your, with, your, with your science head on, uh, which I still find fascinating mm. um, about all that stuff. And one of the things I'm looking forward to, um, I'm a daughter starts high school is is uh, my favorite subject at school is chemistry actually and therefore all the i'm almost really from my youth through my daughter <laughs> uh so i've really enjoyed uh, the maths stuff she's done which arguably is quite straightforward but some of the stuff i had to had to uh, dust off how he actually did it <laughs> that bus stop division which uh, yeah. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I'm looking Good forward to friend. reliving my youth from a science point of view when Rose does go to high school mm. and um, start you're doing asking questions. GCSE science again. I don't know how much I'll be able to keep up with her. At <laughs> what point I'll not be able to do anymore. Yeah. Um, but yeah, in a geeky sort of way, I'm secretly looking forward to all of that. I think you might be the first person to admit that you are excited for science homework from high school. Yeah. Or any 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 documentary around any of that on TV? Then yeah, absolutely. I'd watch it every day of the week. Learn something new about you there, JP. And the last question, which is a Quite a big question, but it is my favourite question, is what is the best piece of advice you have ever received? Wow. <laughs> mm. um, it's probably, um, it's not because you interviewed me from a North Edge point of view, but uh, it's probably my mum saying, uh, what's the worst thing that can happen? Mm. Um, well, actually, I t- I'll tell a different story. Um, and um, I'm not a Man United fan, 
Um, so probably people booing now who's listening to this. Um, but I've got a lot of time for Gary Neville because I think he's a fantastic uh, business person. He's, he's done phenomenally well. Um, but I heard him do a talk at, at a, a charity lunch where he talked through um, the same words of advice that uh, my mum gave to me that Alex Ferguson gave to him about the, it was a Liverpool Man United game. Mm. And I think it might have been Gary's first and he's super nervous. And um, I think Sir Alex at the time could tell and therefore pulled to one side and said, like what's wrong I'm really nervous about the game so what's the worst thing that can happen um, well we get beat okay we get beat what are you doing tonight go for Chinese so, so you're telling me the worst thing that can happen today is you play football in front of 70,000 fans they applaud you all through, through the game you get paid how much money are you going to get paid for the game Gary you get beat and then you go well, I'm going to have a Chinese that's the worst thing that can happen today so yes governor said, well, I think you should dust yourself off and go and have a chat to yourself in the mirror. They duly went on and won that game. Yeah. But I think, it, again, I think sometimes, you know, don't put too much pressure on yourself. Mm. And just ask yourself, what's the worst thing that can happen? Because mm. it's probably not that bad. Mm. And again, you know, should I leave the security of a, you know, FTSE 100, PLC, all that good stuff, well-paid salary, all that to start at North Edge as a startup? What's the worst thing that can happen? Mm. You get another job. Mm. I'm not need to get another job because it's the best thing that's happened. Mm. And I think it's the best piece of advice mm. that I'd give anyone was just ask yourself, you know, what what yeah. what is the worst thing that could happen? Because it's the probably not old, as bad as you think it could be. Yeah. And actually, don't let the fear of striking exactly. out keep you from playing the game. Glass half empty it, glass half full it. Yeah. Thinking then about all the positives. Yeah. If you can get it right, though. And just be thankful you've got a glass. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Which is where I am. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Thank you so much. I've enjoyed that. I learned some things. Hopefully Amazing. anybody listening has learned some things. Thank you for joining me. Thank you, Lucy. If you'd like to listen to more insightful stories from the North Edge Network, you can search and subscribe to Beyond the Capital on any of your usual podcast platforms. <laughs>